0: We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word in this book. And sometimes we learn it most efficiently when we're really hurting and longing for something that we're not getting. And we learn that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if you learn that, you're in awful good company. Our Lord quoted this. When He was hungry... And I might add unmarried and a variety of other things. I mean, you look at our sympathetic high priest sometime and you understand one who is a great sympathetic high priest for what he laid aside and what he willingly gave for you and me. Now, he wants us to learn that man lives by every
1: word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of a message titled, God is for Us. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: Deuteronomy 8, let's just pick it up at verse 2. You should remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. They'd been out there 40 years by now. M- Moses is writing the second law, Deuteronomy, kind of the reiteration of things and preparing them for entry into the promised land. I want you to remember all the way the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that He might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. He fed you with manna after He let you, did you notice that? Be hungry. Remember, He humbled you and let you be hungry. Was that just kind of the mid-afternoon stomach growl? I don't think so. I mean, that's about all we know about hunger, and we usually just deal with it, right? No, I read that the whole congregation of the sons of Israel said to Moses and Aaron, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I mean, they were desperate. We're going to die. You ever been away from food and have no source of food? He let them be hungry. But you say, Yes, but then he fed them. With manna. And that's what it says, isn't it? Look at verse 3. He let you be hungry and fed you with manna. But you remember, manna was exciting for a while because they were hungry. But then I read in Numbers 11 the rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Day after day, week after week, month, year after... How long? 40 years. Every day, manna. Remember how He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with what you didn't think was enough or enough variety or as nice as they even had it. Look at Egypt. Look what they've got down there. Well, look what we used to have. Nor did your fathers know that He might make you... Now read on, verse 3. That He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You know he was teaching Israel something? He wanted to teach Israel what? What our Lord Jesus Christ quoted when he humbled himself and became a man. That we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word in this book. Oh, God wants us to learn that. And sometimes we learn it most efficiently when we're really hurting and longing for something that we're not getting. And we learn that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if you learn that, you're in awful good company. Our Lord quoted this when He was hungry. And I might add unmarried and a variety of other things. I mean, you look at our sympathetic high priest sometime, and you understand one who is a great sympathetic high priest for what he laid aside and what he willingly gave for you and me. Now he wants us to learn that man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4, your clothing didn't wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart, not just intellectually, but know in your heart, that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. You mean he actually deprived Israel of food? Yes. You mean he let them get hungry to where they thought they were going to die? Yes. Why? I want you to know in your heart that he was disciplining you as a man disciplines his son and whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. You think about it. Job. Do you think Job wanted good health? Of course he did. Of course he did. Do you think he wanted the troubles and trials that came his way? Of course not. Did God use Job? Is God still using Job even today as I speak? How many of us have learned to cling to God in the pages of Job? You think about uh, the Israelites 40 years with nothing to look forward to but what? Most of them just dying out there. So the new generation could go in. You think about Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers? Do you think he longed for a family that was supportive? Of course he did. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You mean to say that when he was down there then in prison, imprisoned for doing the right thing down in Egypt... I mean to say, God's character doesn't change. David, you think he didn't long for some security? Instead, he was hiding in caves. Jeremiah, I reread the end of Jeremiah's uh, ministry, and I think about it. We, we grumble if our church ministry doesn't grow as fast as we think it should, or we don't have this little privilege or that little privilege. Jeremiah, you read the end of his life. Or what about Paul. All who are in Asia have deserted me. Moses, spending 40 years shepherding God's people and not going to be able to go into... Do you think a day went by that he didn't think about getting into the promised land during those 40 years? I don't think so. I want you to know that I was testing you to see what was in your heart. I wanted you to learn to hold on to me and hold on to my word. Don't try to live just like the worldling lives, just like the Egyptians live on melons and leeks and garlics. It says, you live on my word. I'll take care of you. I'll give you manna. Oh, but we don't want manna. We want... Listen, he was testing you to see what was in your heart, and he was disciplining you as a man disciplines his son. Those whom the Lord loves... He disciplines. And this isn't just Old Testament times. You think James looked forward when he started to follow the Lord Jesus to having his head lopped off by Herod? Or what do you think about John the Baptist when he was waiting in jail in a dungeon and wondering, are you really the Christ or not? And finally, he gets his head taken by yet another Herod, I might add. There's been plenty of Herods through the centuries. And he gets it taken for what reason? A drunken orgy. Kind of a, I'll give you anything you want. Kind of a, just think of the despicable nature of that evening. When John the Baptist, the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus said, of those born of women, no one is greater than John. And that's how the Lord let him end rotting away in a dungeon, and then his head cut off and served on a platter? Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul, as I said, got to the end of the line. Remember, Timothy, all who are in Asia have turned away from me. They just didn't find him very comfortable. John, he preached the longest. I mean, he served the Lord. All the other apostles died for the Lord. John got to enjoy retirement in Patmos in exile after having been we're told boiled in oil he was tortured we know that and he survived it and uh, he's on the island of Patmos enjoying what we'd call what is this these things I've spoken to you that in me Jesus said you might have peace in the world you'll have tribulation but take courage I have overcome the world and what should I say I mean Turn over to the primary example, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. He who did not spare his own son, will he not also with him freely give us all things? Yes, he will. You can rely on God. You can look at the Old Testament saints and he says to, look at these men and women of faith who took God at his word, who are looking for a city which has foundations. You look at them. He said, But finally, don't just look at Moses and David and Jeremiah, and nor even James and John and Paul, and finally, let your eyes fix on the example, the Lord Jesus himself. Verse 1, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You're in the race and you're starting to falter and you're beginning to question whether God remembers your situation. Why didn't He give you what you think you need? Or why did He give you this husband instead of that one? Or whatever it is. Listen, let us run the race that is set before us with endurance. Lay aside every encumbrance and any sin which would so easily entangle us. And do what? Verse 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Next time you're grumbling about your situation, consider him. He didn't spare his own son. He gave him up. And think about what that meant. Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved. By him. Now, I'll tell you, he says as he closes off this great book of Hebrews, look at Jesus and persevere. Hang in there. Look at the character of God who gave his son for you and realize he's not going to withhold any good thing from you. He is giving you and me circumstances by which we can glorify him. He's working all things together for our good and his glory. We may not understand it. In fact, when we don't understand it is when we give him the most glory. I mean, look over at chapter 13 of Hebrews. Uh, You know, he, he really ties this book off with this thought. Therefore, Verse 12, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Everything about Christ's death was a reproach. Even it had to be done outside the city. Get him out of here, outside the camp. Hence, verse 13, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we're seeking the city which is to come. Through him then... Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. No good thing does he withhold from his own. I've looked, David said. The young lions, they might lack and suffer hunger, but the one who seeks the Lord will never be in want of any good thing. That's hard to say when I'm in this situation, Scott, yeah. But look at Jesus. And let's go outside to him, outside the camp, and let's offer up, notice verse 15, a sacrifice of praise to God. What is that? Well, it's no sacrifice to say praise God, you know, the day the bonus shows up. Or thank you, Lord, when the doctor says everything's fine you're looking real good. That's not a sacrifice, really, to say thanks, praise God. You know, we do, and we should. We ought to give thanks for His blessings of all sorts. But it's a real sacrifice of praise when things aren't going your way. And you say, well, why can't my life be... Listen, God has given you a great opportunity in your situation to praise and glorify Him. Think of it as... Just what the Scripture says repeatedly, consider it joy, my brethren. Turn over to 1 Peter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, verse 12, Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ... You're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The Bible consistently says that when we're weak, He is strong. When we are under trial, we're to give thanks. Why? Because we give Him glory. When I was a kid, they uh, they had this little the uh, you know Tony's was the restaurant in town. It had it had a pinball machine, and you go in there and uh, waste money. You know basically but I didn't because I was cheap but I'd watch the other guys you know and they'd watch that ball I mean this thing cost a quarter and there's no way that I but I every now and then somebody give me a free game or something and I was terrible at it uh, but I'd hear these little ding 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 ding, you know and it, and sometimes it go real fast and and uh, I haven't played one of those since Tony's I don't think but the other day Jess said to me hey dad come here he's on the computer you know, and so we go in there, and he's got this pinball, and it's just like the old ones. You know, ding, 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 ding. You know, and he shows me, and and I'm just as bad as I always was <laughs> with the thing, the little marble going. And I fling it up there, and fling it up there, and I notice there's not much happening, but I'm busy flinging it up there. Ding, ding. You know, and Jess plays, ding, 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 <laughs> and the counter's just going like this. And I'm thinking, why is that? And he says, well, Dad, you got to read over here. And he, I said, read over there? Are you kidding me? you got to see where to send the ball. I had no idea where to send the ball. I'm just happy to hit it with the flipper, you know. He <laughs> said, what are you talking about, Scott? Well, it was on my mind. And I'm thinking, you know, a lot of us are just flipping the ball around in life because we are not really bringing glory to God. But some of us, some of you, have the opportunity to go ding, 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 I mean, a lot of points can get scored, so to speak, for God's glory because God has put you in a situation where you can bring real glory to Him. You can give thanks to Him in the midst of not being able to understand it. He who did not spare His own Son, He is a giver. Remember that. He gave His Son. He freely gives you. He doesn't reluctantly. The Bible doesn't say God is against us. It says God is for us. Who's against us? He's given you the opportunity. And I think oftentimes we miss the opportunity because we don't read what the book says. And then remember that when we give thanks in times of trouble, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. That's when God's glory really kicks in, so to speak, in our lives. We have rare opportunity and eternity scales will show it so much differently. When we stop and see what really took place, it won't be the great preachers necessarily that will be getting the glory. Oh, no. That's easy compared to the great prayers or the great givers of thanks in times of trouble or the great trusters of God even when He hasn't provided the food we need or the spouse we need or whatever it is we think we need. No. Those who say, No, God is the one who gave me a son. He's going to give me everything I'll ever need. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not going to complain about my body. I'm going to take what He gave me because God is the God who gave His only begotten Son. Oh, Christian, let me tell you, this doesn't lead, really getting hold of this and this getting hold of us doesn't lead to kind of a detached fatalism. Oh, well, God's in charge, doesn't matter. Oh, no. Everything I've been saying is personal about Him. He loved me and gave himself up for me. Little flock, don't be afraid. Your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. You remember the context there? Turn over there with me as we close. Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Love casts out fear. You know, real understanding of this, far from leading to kind of a cold academic theology, leads to a warm-hearted Christian zeal and faith that honors and glorifies God. And Luke, I've been quoting, uh, you know, verse 32 of chapter 12. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom We're out of time, or I'd read the whole big section. But read it for yourself. It starts up there at least. Well, read the whole chapter. But uh, let me just read the surrounding verses. Don't seek, verse 29, what you shall eat, what you shall drink. Don't keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. Your Father knows that you need these things. But seek for His kingdom, and these things shall be added to you. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where nor thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And be dressed in readiness. Be ready for His return. You know... I think if we really get hold of verse 31 and 32 of Romans 8, we'll never be the same. I know that, in fact. And we need daily reminders. It's not like we learn at once and then we kind of, okay, I've got that. Oh, no. It's a process. It's a day-by-day learning to cling to every word that proceeds out of His mouth. Not your circumstances. They'll change. They won't be what you want to cling to. Cling to His word. Cling to Him, His character. He didn't spare His own son. You think he has somehow made a mistake? Now? Oh no, he is for you. Who what can be against you? Bask in it. You'll bring great glory to God. And non-Christian, you've been listening in. Wouldn't you like to have such a savior who laid his life down for you that you could bask on, bask in and lean on and Trust for all eternity. Oh, eternity alone will unfold what Romans 8 has told us, that the glory that's coming isn't worth comparing to whatever we're going through in the suffering right now. Come to Christ. Come to the one who said, you know, I've been quoting the 34th Psalm, and it says, David said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste Him. See that the Lord is good. No good thing does He withhold from those He loves, from those He's called according to His purpose. Those who love Him, He causes all things to work together for their good.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, God is for Us, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 830 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Christ died for us.
0: He was raised for us. And amazingly, he intercedes for us. The great basis for God's justification of sinners is once again stated in verse 34. And each time Paul comes back to it, it's like... You know, it's just like, just a joy to let it seep into your heart. And uh, we want to take a good look at it. Notice, and uh, it closes with that little word, for us, okay? And that applies really to all three things. Christ died for us,
1: He was raised for us, and He intercedes for us. God is for us. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part five of the message titled God is for us. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.